What I'm going to talk to you about today is court-ordered sales in British Columbia. You are listening to The Real on Real Estate Podcast with Karen Singbeal. And the process has totally changed. So I thought it would be great because a lot of people don't understand how the process in court ordered sales used to work and how it works now post COVID. So right now, currently I have two of these listed. One of them has um, the court date set. So what happens with the court ordered sale? The bank or the lawyer gets instructions from the mortgage company and they go apply to the court for the court ordered sale. Usually it can take anywhere from six months to a year for that order to get into place. And when the order is given to the lawyer on behalf of the bank that's foreclosed, they usually contact a realtor like myself. We have already done a CMA they put that in for a CMA as a comp analysis for those of you that don't know. This is what they're going to be doing is defaulting on this person that hasn't paid the mortgage. So it's a long lengthy process to even get there. So people that don't understand that, it's not like the bank just swoops in, takes the property and it's instantaneous and they put it up for sale. Doesn't happen like that at all. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that go into it, a lot of administrative paperwork, the cleanup on the property, securing the property with a property manager, contacting a realtor like myself. So that all happens. Then once they get the final court order to sell the property, that's the first step to the process of me listing it on the MLS. And once that happens, you need a first offer to trigger the second process, which is approving the sale. So the first buyer is the only one that can put on normal subjects like subject to financing, subject to home inspection, subject to well, subject to septic, whatever they want. And they can have like a two week period, usually typically in our area, to get this stuff done. But the one subject that stays on there is subject to court approval. So that once this first buyer who triggers this process to get it into court waives his subject, there's still a subject to court approval. So what happens with that is at that time, the property is still being shown, we're still marketing the property, still doing marketing reports, but we usually don't do any price reductions after that because we know we're going to be going to court. And usually the first offer is the lowest offer that's triggering it. Then it's going to go higher in the court on the court day. And honestly, guys, I have sold these for years and years Back in 2010, 11, 12, we had a whole run of them like we're probably going to start getting now. And I've seen them go anywhere from like $5,000 to $50,000 over what the agreed to price was at that time. So you never know 100% what's going to happen nowadays with COVID. So what's happened is, is we used to get the court date. So the first offer removes their subjects. We've still got the subject to court approval on there. And then the other 
competing, what we call competing bids, would go usually show up at the court. But now because of COVID, the only one that deals with the court is the lawyer that I am hired by. There's a new process. It's a two-day business day before the actual set court date that all offers have to be in by noon. If they get another offer outside of the one they already have, the first offer that triggered it, yes, they come back to me and they say, tell the first offer we do have in receipt of a competing bid. There's also a registration process that never was before. So you have to have a mandatory Schedule A with all offers. It's saying the property is as is, where is. Then once you get the first buyer that has triggered the court date process, you get another three-page bid process. One of those pages is a registration. That has to be sent. The realtor who's representing you has to send it to the lawyer or his assistant, and I give those instructions at the listing agent to your realtor. And it's a whole lined out process. Okay, and a couple other things that people need to be aware of on these properties. You're going to have to have a minimum deposit, usually $10,000. You will have to have that with the offer in deposited into the realtor's trust account on the first offer and every competing bid that's going to be on that court date has to have a receipt or the copy of the certified check or draft no personal checks in with the offer or they won't even consider your offer you're going to have to close, like I said, within 14 days. It's 10 business days. You're going to have to have the buyer's exact legal names on the contract and they cannot be changed after the court approval. So you also have to say the type of ownership. Are you doing tenancy in common, joint tenancy? Yes, that all has to be on there specific. There's no chattels. It doesn't matter if there's goods inside the house. They are There are no chattels. You cannot write that on the offer. There is no property disclosure. It's an as is, where is. No warranties or representations whatsoever. Everything is not to be relied upon on these properties, including measurements. If the measurements are important to you, take your realtor and go out there and measure the property. There is no warranties or representations by the listing agent or by the seller, by the bank, the lawyer, nobody. All due diligence on you. So like I said, it's very high risk. These are not for the faint at heart. You need to understand and understand that the condition is as is where is. That's it. And then you can submit your offer and then the first buyer is notified by his realtor to put in a second offer if he chooses because that means it's probably definitely going to go higher. Now, if nobody else puts in a competing bid, yes, the first offer, once it goes to court, they show them my marketing report, they show them I've had 75 inquiries, nine showings, we've had three offers. And then with this, you know, the one, there's only one that triggers it into court. But let's go over the timeline again. Say Karen lists the property in August. We go through this whole process. We might have one or two offers. 
So the first two offers maybe were unsuccessful for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't waive their subjects or maybe they couldn't come to successful negotiations on agreed to price and terms with the lawyer. So I've had, in my experience from these, I've had probably two to three offers that were unsuccessful before we got the successful offer and they that offer triggered the court date because they waived their subjects. Then there was just the subject to court approval left. Okay, so let's go over that again. Timeline is we're marketing the property, we're doing showings, maybe reductions, we get an offer, unsuccessful, maybe the buyer doesn't waive their subjects, maybe the buyer ends up just not coming to terms uh, and price agreed to with the lawyer. It's hard to tell. Then after that, we get another offer, which is accepted, terms and price, has his subjects on there, he waives his subjects, subject to court approval is still on there, that's the one that triggers the court process. So everybody else that wants to put in a competing bid is kind of on standby at this point because this is the process that it takes to get it to trigger the court process where we can get competing bids. Okay, I know this is confusing um, and I know it's cumbersome, but understand that there is a set process. Then the lawyer applies to the court. Maybe one to two weeks later is what it has been working out to be. They're going to get the court date. Then we notify everybody, court date is this, the agreed to price is this. Yes, that becomes public information. You let them know the agreed to price is 228000 The court date is November 25th. <clears throat> The cutoff for any competing bids, which is two business days before the court date. Then once they go to court and the one successful person gets it, they have to close within 14 days. So 10 business days. So these are the kind of properties you have to understand. They're not for first time home buyers usually. They're not for the faint of heart. They're high risk properties with a lot of due diligence, all of the due diligence done on you. None is done on the, by the listing agent. None is done by the seller. It's all done by you, the buyer, or with your agent, your buyer's agent. That's it. In British Columbia, we are no longer allowed as of June of 2018 to be dual agents. I am the listing agent only, and we're not allowed to do dual agency. So there's no such thing as dual agency. There is no dual agency. You need your own representation. And trust me, in these type of properties, you definitely need your own representation. There's so much due diligence to do on these properties. So now the lawyer only deals by teleconference with the lawyer down, probably in Kamloops or Vancouver. Um, all the court orders are usually done out of Vancouver, but we used to go to Vernon or Kamloops usually, or sometimes Kelowna for our area in the Shushwap. So things have changed. Deal with someone who's an expert who knows this type of property and always get lawyer advice in regards to these type of high-risk properties. Take care, guys. I hope that you understand the process a little bit more clearly now. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. See you next month with Karen.